Hi, I'm Alex Palmer, and this is the Black Dog Cast, a podcast about mental health. Now, have you ever thought about how the simple act of tracking your mood each day can positively impact your own mental health? Well, that's something that my guest on this episode has given a lot of thought to as creator of an iPhone app that's simply called Mood. So Gareth Dauncey is a British architect who's combined his own mental health journey with his love for simple, clean design to create this mood tracking app. And so in this episode, we go into Gareth's story, you know, his own journey through depression and specifically what motivated him to create this super simple way to keep track of your mood each day. And then more importantly, what the benefits are for um, for this type of mood tracking and how it's helped him to regulate and to improve his own mental health. So yeah, let's get to the podcast and me, Gareth. So Gareth, I feel like this is a welcome back to the podcast because we're <laughs> we're on we're on we're on take two after a few connectivity issues, but um, you know we're figuring it out. Um, so we're here to talk about your app um, and and a bit about your story. Um, why don't you just just explain kind of briefly what the app is and what it does, and then we can we can we can dig into sort of how you got to it. Okay, thanks. Well, thanks for having me. First, um, that's all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> for the third time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the app is called Mood, um, and it basically allows you to see how you feel over time, but in a very simple, beautiful do one thing well type way. So you literally just tap it once a day to record how you generally felt that day, mm-hmm. which also becomes a sort of point of reflection and checking in. And then it stacks the shade. You pick one of five shades, the light of the mood, the light of the shade, and it stacks each day's new entry on the one before. Yeah, And then you get to be able to see it at different scales. So you see it day to day, or by the week, that's the week view, or by the month, or by the year. So what you get is different perspectives, and you're able to scroll through those. So you get to see basically patterns and how you're doing in the day-to-day, but also over longer periods of time so that you're able to um, see what's working and what isn't. And the overarching aim is to make the individual more self-aware as the kind of foundation for taking control of their own mental well-being for themselves. Yeah. So it's a tool, really, that is intended to try and empower somebody, but it doesn't tell them what to do. It just mm-hmm. gives them the information that hopefully they can move forward with it and make positive changes in their own life for themselves. Yeah. Um, all right. How do you how'd you get into this? What, what sort of led you to want to, to build an app in the first place? Um, as we've just found out, I'm not the most technical person (laughs) so the irony isn't lost on me um i had a long period of depression probably two to three years and i say probably because i don't actually know Mm -hmm. um hang on on, just a question on that because this this is very similar to to a, a a previous guest i had and i was asking him about whether he'd had a diagnosis like a formal diagnosis and and he hadn't and you know, we, we did quite a heavy, like hard hitting podcast and talking in, in detail about a, a suicide attempt he'd make. And I was a little, I don't know, it's always surprising when people don't get a diagnosis. And was yeah. that the same, the same thing for you? Did you ever get a diagnosis? Yeah, I probably should have had one 30 years ago. <laughs> right. 
And uh, so I've had um, smaller boats, which have only lasted a week or two mm-hmm. in the past, but I've had them probably since I was a, a young teenager. Yeah. Um, it's not really the sort of thing in those days people talked about. And no, and the other thing when when you're a teenager is, and, and I, you know, I can look back and 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 identify similar sort of patterns. I think when you're a teenager, it's really hard to separate whether whether a teenager is going through a mental health crisis or if they're just being a fucking teenager, right? I couldn't agree more. <laughs> like, how, <laughs> how do you know? Was was I just like a you know a surly kind of dickhead, <laughs> or was I depressed? I think I think what it is, I just feel things a lot. And yeah. um, um you know, I've got quite a conscience. Mm-hmm. And even as a teenager I was feeling kind of guilty about certain things, and that's before the internet. And yeah. I don't mean that I've done anything bad or that I was even responsible for anyone's, you know, negative effect on anybody. It was the fact that I was very much aware of some of the consequences of how we live. Mm-hmm. And the and the wider ripples that that creates, and then you know when the inter- internet comes along, that's even more uh, apparent because you you understand what's happening in other parts of the world to other people. Yeah. But when I was sort of in my early twenties, I used to subscribe to a couple of magazines. One was called Ethical Consumer. Mm-hmm. And one was called New Internationalist, and they really enabled you to understand <laughs> what the implications of your day to day seemingly innocuous choices were yeah you know and and the impact of that and i always felt that uh impotent really to change any of that those knock-ons other than living more frugally yeah um, you know that kind of thing so that was then amplified when we had children because you're then responsible for even more people and <laughs> even more mm-hmm. knock-ons so for a long time, I used to feel like I was going around with this kind of rucksack of guilt mm-hmm. about these sort of things. And it was there because I hadn't found a way to actually do anything to help other people. Yeah. So I was, so I was very conscious of my negative impact without being able to make a positive impact. And this, this is your, your, your perceived negative impact like on the world and on the environment yeah, through, through consumerism. Whatever. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So living yeah. in the West... And that being propped up by people who didn't have the privileged lifestyle mm-hmm. that I had. But there was not really anybody else I knew who thought the same way where I lived. Yeah. So, you know, I could talk to my parents or, you know, wife, things like that. But it's quite a lonely position to be in, knowing that and mm-hmm. feeling that you're not kind of um, helping. So yeah. it's, it's a really interesting point. I don't, I don't think I've, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people about mental health and depression. I, I think this is the first time that that I've heard this this kind of um, rationale come up as a as a contributor to somebody's mental health. And I'm yeah. sure there's there's many many people in the world out there that have exactly the same concerns I'm about sure. the environment. It's like being stretched Armstrong, you feel pulled in two opposing directions. You're not a, a yeah. bad person, but you're living in a way. Where you know that's impacting other people, mm-hmm. but it's very hard to to you know what do you do? Do you stop eating? Do you stop trying? You know, I went through a period where I didn't, we didn't go on holidays for seven years because yeah, part of the reason I moved to West Wales because I just thought I could 
you know, it's, it's not fair really for me to expect to just travel and do all these things that other people can't do. Yeah. So I thought, well, let's live somewhere where I can do those things. I can go mm-hmm. and see, you know, and there's implications to that in terms of when you move to a kind of um, less populated place, it's harder to make a living. Yeah. It's all the internet or just as the internet was sort of starting. But it seemed more important to do that and to be able to bring the children up or the boys up in, in an environment like that, mm-hmm. which is kind of more like the environment I grew up in. But I, I had this theory as well that everything that happens in London <laughs> moves west <laughs> and eventually it gets to West Wales. And that's good things and bad things. Yeah. It's not just the what, but so I, there just seemed to be this window to move, to just try and walk it a little bit more like I talk it. Yeah. And it did help. Yeah. Um, and it continues to help. Yeah. Because I've embraced it even more as time's gone on and I've learned more about myself. So when you asked about, um, I think you said about diagnosis, didn't you? Yeah. Well, it would be the last thing in the world I could have brought up as a teenager. Right. And even if I talked to somebody about these sorts of things, I don't think they would have understood or related to what I was saying anyway, because it was so far removed from, you know, the normal kind of outlook of, of Joe Bloggs kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But, um, it's only really, and the other thing is, you know, I've got a very loving upbringing. I'm very lucky mm-hmm. and I've got nothing to sort of, um, associate depression with. I'm not yeah. even sure it is a consequence of what I've just described, but it was certainly creating feelings of frustration and guilt and things like that. And then it would flare up from time to time. Yeah. Um, and I guess that wasn't what caused this, but, but, that was more me just piling on more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we could go through that if, if, um, if you'd like me to expand on that. But that's, you're talking about the sort of, the, you're talking about like the stacking of like pressure just in day to day life with professional work, family, and, yeah, and just, just kind of take, taking that all on as a man and just sucking it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the short answer. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's, 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 it's very common. You know, it's very common. I think men are in this position where, you know, they feel like they're supposed to just suck all this shit up and then they got no tools to be able to deal with it. Right. They don't, they don't know how to like talk about it or talk to, you know, friends, partners, whatever, and actually express what they're feeling and maybe start to deal with it, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it feels embarrassing at the time. And, um, yeah, especially when we come from a place of privilege as well, like what you were talking about absolutely. just then. When you, you know, like pretty standard middle-class upbringing, my parents are still together, you know, yeah. I, like went on holidays, had the things that we needed, and then you get depressed and you look back through your life, and you're like, what, like, what did I have to... Absolutely. Right. So then you start feeling guilty, right? <laughs> yeah, you add guilt to the guilt. <laughs> yeah. Well, so 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 then I'm I'm curious. Like, you know, there was a point in your life where you were experiencing depression, and like, what sort of things did you do to start to get out of that? Did did you did you see a doctor? Did you get therapy? Um, no, I didn't or, do anything. I just no, decided okay. to live live as best I could in terms of taking responsibility for certain things. Yeah. 
part of that, ironically, led to the long-term depression. <laughs> because I had in my head that part of what I ought to be doing was taking responsibility for my own impact. Mm-hmm. And that equated to energy, as in if you take a building and you take energy in use. Yeah. That's one of the biggest sort of and, uh, and this relates to we should just say that you're an architect. So this this oh, yeah, plays so, into yeah, like yeah. your 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 professional uh, yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. So there's frustration seeing how really the education of an architect doesn't change that much over thirty years. Mm-hmm. And what's really not put at the forefront, it's starting to change a little bit, I think, but it's certainly it ought to be the the driver of things. So it's, it's still a bit like the tail wagging the dog where People don't actually put as the first thing, and this isn't an architecture, this should be across the board, is the impact of anything. Yeah. So we're still taught to, to create iconic buildings and you know glass everywhere, all these different things, which don't actually deal with the fundamental thing is how do you lower the impact of anything? Yeah. So I had a be in my bonnet about that. So I built a little office in the garden um, to test passive solar gain. It worked really well. And then I showed it to this chap and we ended up designing um, houses as power stations, we were calling them, to try and take people out of energy poverty. Mm-hmm. And then I had in my head that, I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this responsibility for myself and I'm going to show do that to an old building as well without ruining the building. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to only work as an architect a couple of days a week and yeah. I'm actually going to spend the other days of the week um, managing land in terms of food and fuel. Mm-hmm. So we took on this church project, uh, mainly because it had a field. It's not that I really wanted to, <laughs> to, to convert and live in a church. It's just that it, was, it seemed to be the only way at a point in time to end up with this small field. But then the irony in that is that all of the pressure that comes with doing that and trying to do a full-time job and trying to be a family man, mm-hmm. I could just feel myself becoming more and more threadbare. But I didn't actually take it too seriously because my whole life has been, okay, pile a bit more on, I can take it, broad shoulders, you know, the, the, <laughs> the usual stuff. Yeah. But as I was sinking lower and lower, I still didn't really ask for help or try to turn it around. So I feel like I kind of slept walked into mm-hmm. this point where you think you've reached a bottom, but there's always another bottom. Mm-hmm. And I would be, you know, sort of, you get to a point where you don't particularly want to get up in the morning, which has influenced a lot of the app. So all the things I'm telling you now became drivers in the design of the app. Yeah. You know, how do you, how can you be bothered to make an entry each day when you can't face getting out of bed? So that was yeah. a very critical thing to take the, the making an entry and responding to a notification outside of the app. Mm-hmm. So the app actually says, how do you feel today? The screen comes up, you reflect, and you tap it and that's it, it's done. Yeah. And in sort of trialing the app with beta testers for five or six months, I was so pleased that when people were going through things in their own lives and trying the app, that they actually managed to keep doing it. And what they then found is that when they came up the other side, looking back at the picture, mm-hmm. it actually offered them hope because it wasn't as bad was long as they thought. So that was a great thing, but also it helped them not catastrophize the future so much, which yeah. was really cool. Because then it feels like this vicious circle might be not turning around, but at least 
not getting deeper. Mm-hmm. The next step after not getting deeper means, yeah, perhaps you can actually look in the other direction and start moving in the other direction. So, but also this thing about making the entry, bringing you into the present and checking in. Yeah. You know, I was hearing a lot from some of the testers that it wasn't something they'd done before, but how useful it was because, uh, say, for instance, that they had a variety of different things going on. Often the thing that's hanging around in the evening is the bad bit. Mm-hmm. But in talking to people testing it, that the, the simple act of checking in made them more conscious of the fact that actually that was only a small part of the day. And if they right. tried to sort of think of the whole day so that they can simply tap whichever shade is best representative of how light or, or, or dark the mood is as a general mm-hmm. thing for the day, then it was kind of, again, often very uplifting for them to, to do that. Yeah. So, um, and so, so you, you came to this because you basically started tracking this yourself on a calendar, right? Well, it was it's such a long story to get into it, but, but ultimately I went to an event with a friend organized, we had a chat and he said, when you come to this thing called Breakthrough, and that was about mental, physical and financial health. Mm-hmm. And I, at this point I was really at rock bottom. So I'd gone through the various stages of thinking, this, this is the bottom and then there's another bottom. And I was at the point where I knew I had to do something about it or, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure really what would have happened next, but there were, there, there weren't any other bottoms left. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and my friend very kindly asked me along to this thing. And I met this chap from America called Marco and we became best friends, but I didn't know that three years later or two years later, I'd be making this up with him. So there's a yeah. whole story there, but, um, that's when you know you're on the right path when these serendipitous things happen. It was bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Looking back, right, there's got to be 20 or 30 individual things seeming completely unrelated Yeah, and could easily have not joined up with the thing before or the thing after. Mm-hmm. And I look back now and it almost seems like an inevitability to it. Yeah. So I go to this breakthrough and at this point, I'm easily at the point where I don't really care about what's happening to me, but I still care about what's happening to people around me. Mm-hmm. And one of the most powerful things there was you had to make this kind of promise to yourself, but you, it's a promise in front of the other 40 people who were there. Yeah. So it kind of becomes more meaningful as a consequence of that. And you write this little letter and they send this letter to you in the post, probably three months on where you've made these three promises. So you've literally written this letter to yourself, but you've right. forgotten about it when it turns up in the post. And I made these promises and it was basically the three things that I thought might help to turn things around, which was sell the church, half completed, mm-hmm. stop working on so many um, demanding but interesting projects and to just chill out more in terms of two teenage boys growing up and all the things that brings with it. Yeah. But what I realized after a while doing that was that I was still wasn't really sure if anything was any different because I, I did I had no baseline to compare anything to. I had no real idea of how long or how deep this depression had been. Yeah. But were you, were you starting to feel better at this point? At points. Yeah. So I, I can remember like sort of certain events where I can, I can remember perhaps a day or two of feeling slightly better. Mm-hmm. But then we would do something like have a break somewhere 
And it would take till the afternoon every day until I actually felt like myself. But that would usually coincide then with going into the evening and beers. Mm-hmm. So it's all a blurry kind of mush where there was absolutely no clarity on the reality of how I felt and how I was continuing to feel. Yeah. If these things were making any difference. So it just became really apparent to me that I needed to see this. I'm a very visual person. Yeah. And um, this is another strange event. Now, Christmas, one Christmas, I'm in W. Smith, which is a, well, you know what it is, but it's a stationery mm-hmm. shop in the chain in the UK. And I bought this calendar and highlighter pens, and I had absolutely no idea why. This wasn't a, a plan. <laughs> and um, these highlighter pens were just captivating. There was, I think it was 10 of them. And I had this calendar, and I just had it on the side of my desk. And the period between Christmas and New Year was actually pretty good. Yeah. Probably because I'd taken some time off work, which relieved a bit of pressure, and you could start to, you know, fill the pot again. Yeah. And uh, I thought, I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark each day with a colored pen how I actually feel. And I just took it as a rainbow color. They were in order. Mm-hmm. And I started to do it. And what I started to notice was various patterns emerge after weeks and months. And this was all just before COVID and the lockdowns. And this continued. I thought, oh, this is, this is worthwhile. This is cool. Yeah. But then the lockdowns came along and work sort of dried up a little bit. Not, not totally, but enough to become a concern. Yeah. And the really strange thing I started to see in these patterns as the weeks went on was that the whole picture was improving. So I very quickly sort of realized that the work and the worry of that dying out was sort of uh, less than the positive of having all this stress lifted. And you could literally see it reflected in these colors. And that then made me kind of feel hopeful. And then I started to think, right, what else can I do now to actually try and help myself? And I would try not like small little things, like one evening. These were bigger changes. Mm -hmm. And it was quite easy to make different changes because we were in lockdown. Yeah. So, you know, the day-to-day life wasn't there. So so it enabled that. Um, And I just continued with that for a long time. But the other strange thing that happened was uh, I joined this online community called Frazzle Cafe with Ruby mm-hmm. Wax. And I'd always wanted to go because I think a lot of Ruby and um, her books are great. And the way she talks about mindfulness, she's one of the best people I've heard and yeah. lucky now to have practiced with through a Frazzled. And uh, their community used to be in Marks and Spencer cafes. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I live in the middle of nowhere, you could never attend. But when I went online, I went. But it was quite a surprise because I was the only man there, mm-hmm. literally. Uh, so it was uh, it was unusual, to say the least. Yeah. But it was very good because all of a sudden I met 100 people who were... So hang on, 100 people and you were the only bloke? Yeah. There might have been one other, but at first it was that, yeah. Whoa. That is crazy. But it's changed. So what's happened okay. in the last two years? It's probably fifty-fifty now. I would say. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's great to hear. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And so therefore I was slightly nervous about speaking up, but yeah. I started to talk about these sorts of things in there and it actually felt good because you're not asking for advice in these meetings. You're just sort of talking to people who can relate really. Yeah. And, uh, it, it was, it was really good because at the first five minutes, Ruby would do a mindfulness exercise just to bring the room down. Mm -hmm. You'd have, you talked, you put your hand up if you wanted to say something. Yeah. You'd talk to these hundred people. You'd listen. And then you'd go into a small little breakup group and then mm -hmm. you'd have another mindfulness session at the end with Ruby. I read an awful lot to try and help myself. Mm -hmm. So I'd read a lot about mindfulness, you know, philosophy, religion, lots of self-help stuff. But doing that with Ruby was better than any book that I could have read on mindfulness because I learned so much and I learned so much from the other attendees and I'm just talking about their experiences. Yeah. And you don't feel so alone because um, other people are like you. They feel like you. And yeah. that, that really was the only totally helpful thing for me when I was completely depressed was talking to the odd person that also felt the same and actually didn't even have to talk. It was just the fact you're with someone who, <laughs> yeah. who feels exactly like you do. It, you know, it might be for different reasons or whatever, but it, it was cool. So the thing then was I showed this calendar one day in one of the breakout groups and people really got it because, you know, some people were on medication, yeah. changing medication, you could, and you were doing something like this, you, you just simply show a picture to a doctor or anybody. Mm -hmm. And a couple of people suggested I showed it to Ruby. So in the bigger group, I put my hand up, I showed mm -hmm. the calendar, and it seemed to be a, you know, a cool thing that other people might have found helpful. Yeah. And then one day of the blue, Ruby said, you know, could we have a chat about it? I'd like to, to mention it in my book. Mm -hmm. She's written this book, um, a sort of workbook for mindfulness. And I thought, oh, okay, better design this properly, draw it up. <laughs> so I, I drew up, a, a, drew it up properly, exactly how it should be, mocked it up on the telephone, on the mobile. And we had a chat. Ruby wrote about it. I'd shown it to lots of other people as well. And it just meant that I didn't really have a choice there. <laughs> yeah. I had to do it because I could see my whole life I'd been thinking, what can I do to help people? I'd come across some way of helping myself. I'd shown that to other people who were in a similar situation and those people wanted it as well. Yeah. Or at least understood that it could be helpful. So it kind of took the choice away from me. There was no choice. You know, right. I just had to find a way it was, to do it. It was your path, right? You, you were, well, you were kind of destined to do this. <laughs> well, what's really strange is before the internet, I think I mentioned this to you when we chatted, but... You know, we went on holidays once 20 years ago and I had this, for the whole week, I was feeling really down. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to my mom and dad and Lisa, you know, I'm here to help people and I haven't found a way to do it and it's driving me mad sort of thing. And I said, the way I want to help people has got to be something that everyone in the world could have. And they, they, you know, they should be able to hold it in their hand or whatever it is. Mobile phones weren't even around at that point. Yeah. And I'm sure they must have thought I was, you know, I was probably worrying them at this point, like this, right? <laughs> this really lasted about a week. And um, when this idea came along to do this, I, if I'd created something physical that was creating more landfill, 
more production, more energy, more mm-hmm. resources. That wouldn't have been very good for me either. But the idea of creating something that somebody can hold in their hand and is universally available. Yeah. And that is only riding on the back of the thing that someone already owns, the telephone. There's no servers because one of the key drivers for me was privacy. Mm-hmm. And I thought if this is needing to stick and you're, you know, you're in this position, you need to feel completely secure and private. Yeah. So, so, so when, when, when somebody rates their mood, it's essentially, it's not going anywhere other than just on their app and the data is not going anywhere and it's not tracked. No, and we don't even know who's downloaded. It's anonymous. Yeah. So there is, I mean, <laughs> to put that into context, it's very easy to get a, a privacy policy for most apps and websites. Mm-hmm. But when you are actually really at a private, you have to really work hard to make a bespoke privacy policy. So it's bizarre because it's all geared up for you know data harvesting and, yeah. and whatever else. And everything that was important to me when I was at my lowest had to inform the design of the app. So I, I think I mentioned earlier about being able to make a, an entry even at the time when you can't face get out of bed. Yeah. So that was super important. Um, the privacy element is super important. In terms of how it's sold, I, you know, I, I don't want to leave anyone behind. So we adopted this idea of one for one where for every individual that actually downloads from the app store, mm-hmm. we provide one to an organization that's helping people with their mental health or well-being. Yeah, and, and this, this is pe- people that are so. Hang on, just just to be specific, um, if people download and they're paying ninety nine cents a month to use it, so one paid user equals one gifted user. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the individuals, because there's not, we haven't pursued it yet, but this seems to be a big um, need as well through conversations we've had in pretty much every sector. So if you took a university or yeah. even just retail or even anything to do with, it doesn't have to be an emergency service or anything. I just think everyone is going through a lot. And if you can make anybody more self-aware, mm-hmm. it's a really, it really for me is the starting point. So I think everyone is trying to do things to feel better. Yeah. But unless you've got the foundation of actually knowing yourself first and being able to then see in real time and realistically and retrospectively what the effect of these things are. They're almost, they're not wasted, but they're not, they're not as powerful as they should be. Yeah. And I, I think it's like the missing element from so many things. This this thing of knowing how you feel over time. Yeah. So, so I guess just coming back to how it works, then you've got this very visual, um, beautifully designed interface, which is super, super simple, right? It doesn't even... You don't even have to rate yourself out of 10. You're just rating yourself by a, a lighter or a darker shade of a color that you choose. And then over time, you can, you can look at that color sort of change and add. Yeah, and you and, can and, change the color. So the thing is, the shades, the dark to light shades are the same, whichever color palette you right. choose. So I find myself, we've gone for some which are sort of energizing and a mm-hmm. couple which are more chilled and cool. And there's also gray in there. And that came from a friend who's been on medication for a while and his doctor asks him to record how he feels in relation to the medication so that they can sort of gauge its effectiveness. Mm -hmm. But he's never done it because it's always been um, filming forms and this kind of thing. Right. He said he would do this 
as long as I did a, a sort of black and white version. <laughs> right. But but the other thing is, it, it's a joke really I'm making here because we need grey in there anyway, because if you're colorblind or, or, or you, you know what I mean, it's just, it mm-hmm. just, it's just that other end of things. So, so yeah, we've got grey and then a couple of energizing colors and a couple of more uh, sort of chilling colors. And I find myself changing the colors all the time. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I like looking at, uh, you know, shades of red and other times I like blue, green, yeah. whatever, you know, I just find myself changing. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is, I, I've done something very similar just with a with a Google spreadsheet where I've at various points tracked quite a lot of data um, yeah. and, you know, everything from, you know, my mood, my level of motivation, how much exercise I did that day, um, maybe what I was eating or drinking, and then importantly, medication, right? Because I think this yeah. is super important when you when you actually start taking medication and when you're trying different medications and, yeah. and I, I was recording that, you know, I'm on, I'm on a hundred milligrams of this. And then we went to 50 milligrams, like whatever it is being able to, to zone in on those changes. I guess the question I have is sort of, you've, you have to balance with your app. You've made it on the one hand, it's like super simple. It's highly visual it's a very low barrier to actually doing this each day. You can do it in a matter of seconds and then you can see this trend extremely quickly and easily. It's sort of that principle versus, you know, correlating it with many other data points, which might impact the, the, um, what people get from your app. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've thought about like, people have been asking like, Oh, why don't you put this in the app? Why don't you put that on the app? And yeah, there's a need to correlate, but I guess like, like you, you've chosen to keep it super simple, right? Yeah. So that need to correlate was requested quite a lot from beta testers. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, I'm pleased that in most cases, I would just say, give it a month or two mm-hmm. to see where we get and then we'll talk again. And because we did this over four or five months, I was able to have that kind of incremental conversation with people. Yeah. And the vast majority of people who wanted more by the end of it realized and agreed that the simplicity was the key Yeah, because they actually did it. And a lot of those people trying it have tried all sorts of other things. I mean, there's plenty of apps out there that are not stripped back like this or trying to do the things we're trying to do. Yeah. But I, I know I've looked. I've, I've looked for them, and and part of the problem is, I guess I had an idea in my mind about the sorts of things that I wanted to track, and I wanted to track easily, and I just couldn't find an app that did it. They were just badly designed. There was too much stuff in there. So yeah. I, I I get this idea of like simplicity versus other factors. Um, I'm just curious whether people, you know, do people use your app, and then they're still tracking some of the things. Like oh, if I they would, change I, their medication or... I, I would think so, yeah. Because that's the thing. It's, it's a tool which tries to track the fundamental thing. So when you mentioned earlier about all the things we track, people track yeah. steps, they track... I mean, this is what we say is the problem, really, that we track everything, but probably not one of the most essential things mm-hmm. that we should. Which and is how we're feeling. Exactly. And yeah. I really think it's the missing 
fundamental link. So it's like building without a foundation. So mm-hmm. all the stuff people are doing is building without a foundation. And I think that if you build that foundation well, what I've found is I've started to know myself so well now that actually all of that correlation I understand inherently as I'm going along day to day because I've done it for two years. Mm-hmm. And I've got to know myself so well that I can't remember the last time I was depressed or anxious. I mean, yeah. if I tried to talk to you a couple of years ago like this, <laughs> I don't think it would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it's bizarre. And now I, I know the things which work for me and which don't now. And well, that, okay, so that was my next question is, is uh, like what specific things did you find in your life that, that you were able to identify from tracking the mood in the app? How did that correlate to sort of either positive or negative things that you were doing that you could stop doing one thing or you could do more of the other thing? Okay. There are many. <laughs> yeah. Well, may, maybe <laughs> like what, 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 were, what were some of the main, okay, the main well, ones? Uh, drink is an obvious one. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up in the, in the Welsh Valleys where yep. it's, if you don't drink, <laughs> that's the odd thing if you don't drink. Mm-hmm. What if you do? And um, so I'm only saying that for context because uh, the friend I mentioned with do lectures and breakthrough, we also go swimming every day. So that came out of COVID and that's an example of a positive and I could see the difference. So I'll just explain a couple of those things. So when COVID came along, I joined Frazzled. Another thing that happened was I started to dig and extend my vegetable patch in the garden. Mm-hmm. Now, bear in mind, for two or three years, I didn't tend the vegetable patch, and my wife let it go wild, mm-hmm. hoping it would inspire me to get back into it, which she knew would be helpful. But, you know, like I said earlier, you don't care about yourself, so it went wild. But when COVID came along, I just started to dig part of the lawn away because uh, that would give us more room to actually have potatoes this year as well. Yeah. And as I put the spade in the ground, I had this complete realization that I didn't need the field that I mentioned with the church. Mm-hmm. So it brought me straight back to, ah, right, okay, this is what it, where it's at. This is what I will be doing. And I started to spend more and more time in the garden because of, I realized that that's what used to make me happy. Yeah. Not make me happy, but it was one element. And the more gardening I was doing, the more I was outdoors, the more I was in touch with nature, the more grounded I felt and I felt so I could already see the difference from the work becoming less Mm -hmm. but what that showed is that the the bad which was bleeding through the whole week was becoming less but what this showed was this actually went in the other direction and started to show positives yeah and and so you're actually seeing this on your on your tracking with the colors and you're able to correlate like oh getting back into doing gardening had a positive impact on your mood so it's not as clear as that because i was doing several things okay right but but what happened is then you start to understand and learn what is triggering and what isn't Mm -hmm. so another strange thing happened i just went in the sea one day and i think i mentioned this to you when we had a chat i saw a seal Mm-hmm. And this seal was so captivating to me. We were just looking at each other that I started to go back the next day and the next day. And then every other day I would see the seal and it was the same seal or a different seal. But uh, I started to notice 
feeling quite different from going in the sea. Yeah. And then, I, don't get me wrong, I wasn't looking for patterns daily on my thing. What I would do was look back and see if I could see any sort of trend emerging and mm -hmm. then think about, okay, what has changed over those weeks? So I think that thing of trying to think and understand without having all of the clues written in front of you is also a good thing. Because it, it meant that I was kind of exploring and thinking why rather than just having this answer presented to me. Yeah. And so I, I found that really helpful. So as this went on and on, my friend now starts coming in to see with me, David, and he's probably a good influence on me in several ways. So he's able to just make a decision like, okay, I'm not going to drink for a month. Mm -hmm. So we, we were sort of buddies, as in a proper buddy system with this going swimming. And so therefore we'd buddy up with other things as well. Yeah. And I thought, well, I've never tried that before. Let's give it a go. And it was incredible. After eight days, I saw my pattern from weeks and months before go up one entire notch. This is eight days of, of getting in the sea every day in the cold water. Oh, sorry, you know, this, this is unrelated. I, I oh, sorry. Right. Lots of different things. So this is months on now. This is, this is, so this sea thing was going in every day. We've done it now for 18 months or two years. And I'll yeah. hopefully do it until, you know, till the day I die. Because it's such a good thing. The vegetable thing is another, another um, thing, which is very similar, actually, because they're meditative things. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you're tending the ground or whether you're just bobbing up and down in the sea, they're both humbling as well because they make you feel small in relation to yeah. nature. Well, there's also a lot of science out there about the impact of cold exposure on certain oh, neurotransmitters, which which help with um, with depression. Um, I, I mean, I liken it. I used to talk about this in the Frazzled group as well, because mm -hmm. I was seeing this difference, and I was saying, "Oh, this really works for me at the moment." Well, let's continue to. But it feels like you know when you unplug a TV and the static disappears when we were kids. Mm -hmm. I don't think we get that so much now, but. It, it, it felt exactly like that. So you'd feel small, you'd feel humbled, you'd feel connected to nature, and you would also feel as if all the thinking in your head had just been almost thrown out of, as if it was in a bucket. Yeah. And I think that's the probably the response to the cold because your body must only be able to... I, I, I mean, I'm not repeating anything here that I know is a fact. I'm just surmising. There's, um, I'll, I'll put a link in, in the, in the description because there's a, there's an episode of the Huberman Lab podcast. Um, he's a Stanford neuroscience professor that has this fascinating podcast. And on one of them, he talks in at great length in great scientific detail, but in a way that I think is very easy to understand. And, and he goes into the whole like, um, science behind cold exposure and, and its benefits and all, all that good stuff. I think what's, um, What's really fascinating here, and, and this is maybe the, you know, getting to the root of the app and why it's good is that you, it sounds like you've been able to kind of work your way out of your depression into a better place by finding a bunch of different stuff, which to me, it sounds like it's checking a lot of boxes about when, you know, when, when you look at things which are, are supposed to help people's mood, like you know, um, uh, cold exposure or being in nature, being exposed to like the you know your smallness in the universe, having an accountability partner, 
getting community through Frazzled Cafe. It's kind of like you've, you found all of these things organically and then the app made them stick. Absolutely. And the funny thing now, if I'd had that app when I described the incremental sleepwalking into two or three years of depression. Yeah. It's so funny now. I, you also use it as a canary in the coal mine. It's not just me to spot patterns and mm-hmm. see what's going on. For me now, I've reached a kind of point of balance, I suppose. Yeah. You know, I genuinely feel content and I don't feel guilty about things. And actually, all of these connections and things like talking to you is, I feel like I am going in the right direction now. Mm-hmm. So that rucksack I talked about, yeah, there's not much in it anymore. I've kind of accepted a lot of stuff and I've realized that I can do what I can do and this is probably part of that. So, but if I had had it, then I would have definitely seen myself change in shade and done something about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I slept, walked into it. So now, even if I just get three or four days uh, starting to look like it could possibly be going downhill and maybe I might not even know why, I now step in and do the things which I know help. Yeah. So I took an example is, (laughs) this is a very boring example, but I just decided only recently, okay, this means three days, I'll take Friday off, being self-employed, I can do that because I know I can make up for it the following week. Mm -hmm. And I took the Friday off, the Saturday and Sunday, and made sure I met a couple of friends, I made sure I went swimming, I made sure I got back into the greenhouse and the garden. And I saw the whole thing turn around. And Mm -hmm. it was so satisfying to see um, a simple, simple tool have that kind of profound effect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to give this a try long term. I mean, I downloaded the app a couple of days ago and and, and did a couple of entries. Um, And it's... It's interesting what you were just saying then about it being like a canary in a coal mine, and it and it for you when you when you notice the darker colours, you were able to go and and reinforce your self care um, yeah. uh, practices. Now, for me, I have I have the opposite happens when I when I still get depressed, which is not as bad as it used to. You know, the peaks and troughs are far lower. I do still get depressed, and the challenge I have is that when I get depressed, all of those self care things go out the window. And it's like, I know, you know, I know that I'm depressed. I don't know whether seeing the, the dark colors on the app would, would mean anything different, but I fall off the wagon and I'll drink too much, watch too much TV, eat terrible food, not do any exercise. Basically, do, like, I won't do any of the things that I know make yeah. me feel better. They just go out the window. And now I'm almost, I think it's important not to beat yourself up about these things. And to accept it. And, and for me, that acceptance is about like, I know that in three or four days, I'm going to be out of this. So fuck it. Why does it matter if I drink too much for a few days and watch a lot of TV? Yeah, I think that's perfectly <laughs> fine. The thing I'm just trying to avoid is sleepwalking <laughs> into a much longer, longer, longer thing. That's, yes, that, that's, that's, that's a really valid point. And I guess, again, that comes back to, where an app like this can help is like let's let's take my case for example if i know i know my biochemistry and i know my my behavior enough that i've identified that normally i break out of this in three or four days it's temporary 
So I can afford to not worry. Yeah. I guess the benefit of an app like this is if it goes on beyond those four or five days, and then you know that, all oh, right, this is not normal. And, but the and other thing, the other, the, right, but the other, the other thing I was really trying to do is I genuinely think of people as being unique and almost a piece of art in their own right. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds strange, but I wanted the picture that emerges to be as artistic and unique as each person. Mm-hmm. And I've thought and still do think that if you can create a beautiful image, even if what it's actually depicting isn't beautiful, oh, yeah. you can chip away its stigma and you yeah. can start a conversation with somebody. And one of the most enlightening things that came out of the beta testing was that one couple, it initiated a conversation between a partner, two partners, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And it started with, can I show you this? Yeah. So what we're trying to start to do on our Instagram page is to not kickstart that, but just to try and show that you could say, you know, guess when Gareth started sleeping better, one of the mm-hmm. testers, and seen the sun for 40 days. And we just put that up yesterday, which was guess when Greg didn't see the sun for 41 days. Yeah. When you look on the six-month year view, you see this chunk and it's just darker than everything that went before it. Mm-hmm. So another one was, um, well, it could be anything. It could correlate, you know, it's up to the individual to, to, to make those sort of connections. But I do think that if you can use a picture rather than words, yeah. it's immediately accessible. But if it's beautiful as well, I think you do stand half a chance of chipping away at stigma. So I'm trying to make it so um, easy and smart that it might encourage people to share those pictures. And if it yeah. does, that really is a chip. Chip away at the at the rock, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So then, what does um what does the future hold for 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 the app and what you're doing and all, well, all that good stuff? So, I've mentioned Marco, and Marco's you know a really good friend, and there's no way I'd have got to this point without him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I tried the bootstrap approach. I showed this to Marco. Marco is the design director in in a, a firm with his wife called Red and Co. Mm-hmm. actually based in Austin, Texas, the same as you. Mm-hmm. And Marco also wants this to help as many people as possible, which he wouldn't have got involved in the first place. And we cover not just different countries, but different areas. So obviously I need to sort of talk about this and try and raise his profile and to try and break down a little bit of stigma about it and keep doing that. Um, but on the other end, we're also trying to make it in a way where we can approach companies, yep. universities, and pursue that angle. So together, we, we, we will be doing that. And um, for instance, we've been talking to the state of Louisiana and their education department, and we might be doing some trials with a couple of universities because I think a lot of public bodies or publicly funded bodies when I've talked to them, they've, they've tried lots of things, but everything's too complicated. Yeah. And nobody actually knows when to put their hand up and ask for the help that could be there because they've got no way of knowing. It's a bit like when I slept walked, as I, as I described earlier. So I think what we're going to be doing is doing trials with people. Mm-hmm. And hopefully if those trials prove that there's a positive outcome for whether it's a firm, whether it's a, a, a university, whether it's a, a public organization, whatever it is, 
the idea is that you know those would be en masse. So somebody might want to give one to each employee. So that's the one arm. And then the other arm is the charitable side of it and the one for ones. Yeah. So I intend to start making sort of, connect, you know, obviously I know certain charities, I engage with certain charities, mm -hmm. but what I'd really like to do is to find the ones that are accessed the most by people on the street. Because right. what I want then is for them to be able to access this as the giveaway side of it mm -hmm. via those charities. So we've just launched a few weeks ago. Um, we're almost at the point where we can start talking on the kind of company side of things. Yeah. And the next immediate step really is to start rolling out these freebies as, as they become. So what we probably do is, I don't know, it, it depends on the growth, but at whatever is the right time, we'll check in and we'll see how many we've got. And hopefully I've already made those links with those charities. So the first yeah. one will be going to Frazzled. Mm -hmm. like, so we're going to meet next week and start talking about that. Because yeah. what I really, I mean, what a great full circle if I end up being able to sort of say to the people that I met through mm -hmm. this online community, yeah, hey, we've got there and all you need to do is, you know, become a member of Frazzled and there's one there for you. Yeah, it's um, the whole Frazzled Cafe thing. I think it's, I hadn't actually heard of it. I was, obviously I know who Ruby Wax is and I was aware that she's been doing a lot in the mental health um, space. And I think, I think what she does that is so valuable is she makes a joke out of it, right? She's a comedian. Oh, honestly. So, so, and, and I, I just think we like, we need, it's something that I, I think about a lot on this podcast, right? Because yeah. you get into this space of sort of mental health advocacy and wanting to talk and reduce stigma and, you know, all of this like sort of in quotations, noble stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you have to strike a balance between it not being too depressing, right? I, I agree. And, and, and I think that's, that's what she does beautifully is that she takes a, uh, you know, a hard topic with a lot of stigma around it and she makes fun of herself and, and she makes light of it in a way that is, I don't know, it just breaks down those barriers and even the name Frazzled Cafe. It's great. You should come to one of the meetings. No, I will do. I, I, I definitely, I, I plan on well, it. I was looking, I was looking on the schedule to find one that she hosts. Yeah, um, come to that. I, I told my mother as well. My mum's a big fan of hers. That's um, great. And, and honestly, it's what it reminds me of is um, I've never been in the army and I've never been in a war. But I would imagine that if you're in the trenches, mm -hmm. some of the some of the humour that comes out in the meetings or yeah. the most horrific stories i mean it's not always like that obviously but it's it, it can be uplifting yeah and it can actually if you're the person who's telling your story sometimes it's what you need you know you've just uh this is nothing to do with this podcast but when our second son was born he was born with his heart plumbed the wrong way around he had something called transposition of the great arteries mm -hmm. and it means you're not getting oxygen in uh, distributed on your body and you, the operation either you survive or you die it's as simple as that and um, we ended up living in this little charity house and uh, you know all the other people in the charity house had kids which were touch and go as well mm -hmm. and I can remember sitting in the kitchen talking to this father and he was telling me awful things and we were exchanging stories 
I, I still remember sitting there making crazy jokes back and forth. Yeah. And I think you're dead right. It, it, it's almost necessary. Or yeah. for me, it helps. I think it's maybe a British thing as well. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it could be. It could well this, be. This makes me think about one of, you know, one of my, my very good friends from university who, who I did a lot of rowing with. And then he went into the army and became an officer. And then he had this, he had this very serious accident, accident on a, on a training exercise. Um, and as a result, he's, he's been in a wheelchair probably for the past, you know, 15, 20 years. And I don't know, there's just something about the British sense of humor. Like he will constantly be taking the piss out of, out of like be. being in the wheelie yeah. section at this event and, and just, yeah, maybe it's a British thing, but I think it's, it's, it's really important in this space, but I, there's, there's also a balance, right? And, and, and balance. there's a balance between being serious yeah. and having serious conversations and not making light of, oh, of completely. Of but I think, I think, I think if you're at all sensitive to anything mm -hmm. and you've experienced any of this, I think you know when, when it's okay and when it's not, Yeah, you know, I, I don't really see much which is inappropriate. You know, at any of these meetings, it's, yeah. it's always felt. Yeah, and it, it's a it's a format that is is becoming increasingly popular in 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 many different um, uh, sort of let's call them flavors, right? And so, you know, m my wife and I did a podcast yesterday talking about um, um, a, a similar format that she's doing within the business world, and again, it's it's sort of peer conversations called reflective supervision. It's exactly the same principle. It's a group of people that can come together in a safe space with some general rules of engagement where people support each other. They show empathy. They don't judge. They don't give advice. Um, and that's in more of a business context. You know, I'm involved in another um, um, sort of men's coach training. Um, yeah. Again, exactly the same principle, but it's it's men only. It's a space where you know, men can come together and talk about these things. And, and I, I think that's, we talk about like ways to solve mental health crises. I think these peer groups are super important because they're, they're simple and they're scalable and, you know, anything from like 15 to a hundred people meeting at once is, is awesome. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I should say with, with the frazzle as well, that it's not all like that either. I mean, there's some, awful heart-wrenching stories that you come yeah. away from and you know you can't help empathizing and you feel bad yeah you know you know it's it's all ends of the spectrum but the thing you just said then um yeah i i think it is it is becoming more common to just attend something where you're heard in a, in a sort of safe place whatever yeah. the subject matter and that's good yeah yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, all right, is there anything that we've that we've missed on the app that you that you want to talk about? We'll put a link so people can go go download it and and, and test well, it. One out. thing I should say is that it's impossible to find on the app store at the moment, and right. there's this real chicken and egg situation. So if anybody was interested and and wanted to give it a go, they'd be better to follow the links that's on the website. Yeah, and then that will take you straight to it. So Got it. A little bit of a frustration. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's just watch this space. And if anybody wants to give it a go, I'd encourage them to. And if, if it's not for them, then it's a simple thing to unsubscribe. Yeah. But I'm really, really clear now, <laughs> after many, many years, that it really is about becoming self-aware, but in a sustainable way. Yeah. There's no point becoming self-aware only when you're ill. I mean, I had this conversation with a lot of people testing it, my father included, who would say that they don't really need it. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But the, the reason they were saying they didn't need it was because they said they don't have many ups and downs. But I think the main thing for anybody is to just be aware what is your baseline, what is your normal. Yeah. So that when it fluctuates from that, you are able to notice, see, quantify, look back, and learn yeah. from. Yeah. So even for people who don't have, I mean, I don't have big, it's not as if I used to have massive ups and downs anyway. It's just this thing slowly went down to a insane, mm-hmm. uh, you know, low for a long, long time. But if I'd seen that in real time improving as a consequence of some of the things I was doing, I think that my getting better would have probably been quicker. Yeah. And it was that thing about being, it's almost like being blindfolded and you're sort of walking around and you don't know up from down and you don't know if you're going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, yeah, give it a go. And I really hope that whoever does it, they find value in it. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually, because you're using colors, it it means that the, the sort of scale is quite abstract, right? And, and the darkest scale of color for one person might mean something completely different to the darkest scale for another person. It's not like putting a number against it or, 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 or some other more arbitrary. No. And that's, that's the the range. So if you, so if you equated it to five, there are five shades, Mm -hmm. but if you could imagine vertical scale, those five shades might represent a massive scale for one person, but it might be quite condensed for another person. And the other thing I should mention actually is, if anybody gives it a go, play around with the time of the reminder mm-hmm. because this is through testing the general most beneficial way for most people seem to do it early evening because it would be a chance to reflect on the day. Okay. But, but some people would try it in the morning uh, and do it as an intuitive thing. And that was also kind of um, valid because as long as it was consistent at the same time each day for them, yeah, then it gave a relative picture to the day before the week before you know all of that because it was always at the same time mm-hmm. so there's no right and wrong way to use it and that's why i think that when i was talking earlier about empowering an individual it really is boiling it down to the thing of being as simple as it can possibly be so that that person can shape it to them as well yeah and it's really is ironic that such a simplistic tool really has had a profound effect. Yeah. No, I think, look, I, I think you've got a great story and I think the way that you've been able to um, kind of build something which can help other people at the same time as, you know, it, it, it came from you helping yourself um, is, um, yeah, it's it's great. I, I commend you for it. <laughs> well done. Oh, thank you. Well, I, <laughs> thanks a lot. But I mean, the other thing is I didn't want to be patronizing or, you know, when I was feeling low and I was looking at stuff and it, it just never felt like a good fit with me at all mm-hmm. because it was either too cartoony or there was too much to do or yeah. 
you know, who'd add another layer of guilt. So all of these things, I just thought, make this thing beautiful, abstract. And the other thing is, I mean, I hoped I was going to make a piece of art out of it before I made the app, and it was going to be called mm-hmm. This Is Me. And um, I hope that people start to find ways to use their picture, yeah. even if it's as simplistic as it's on a mug or a T-shirt or the wall. I, I've, 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 I, wrote, I wrote down an idea um, that I want to talk to you afterwards to, <laughs> okay. to use to use these patterns in a cycling jersey. So brilliant. Let's, Absolutely let's, brilliant. let's have that conversation. I think that would be, I'm beaming. Or you could yeah, see my face. right, I'm exactly. Beaming. That's a brilliant <laughs> idea. Cool. All right, Gareth, this has been a fascinating chat and um, we'll put some links to the app uh, in the description so that people can go check it out and download it and, um, and give you some feedback. And um, best of luck with it. Oh, thank you, Alex. It's been a real pleasure. I'm glad we've met, honestly. It's cool. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. So that's it for this episode of the Black Dog Cast. Thanks again to Gareth for coming on and not only sharing his own mental health journey in such a candid fashion, but also telling us all about this new app of his, which is called Mood. If you are at all curious about how tracking your own mood each day can impact your own mental health, then um, head to the App Store. You can download the app right now. Uh, There's also a link in the show notes. And I'm sure as the app is pretty new, he'd appreciate any feedback that you might have on it. Yeah, that's it for now. And um, stay tuned for the next episode.